Are you ready to go off script? Let's see how the Bible challenges the roles the world has written for us. Hey everyone, we've got a great one for you today. This is off script number 14, Should Christians Watch Horror Movies? Horror movies inspire fear, right? They cause our hearts to beat faster and our adrenaline to flow. Their monsters, murder, and jump scares have won them a dedicated following. I wonder what you think about horror movies. In this episode, we discuss whether Christians have any business watching horror movies. We talk about where to draw the line and what exactly is problematic about this genre. Furthermore, we talk about haunted houses and the idea of using such fear tactics to win people to the Lord. We have a really interesting test case to consider. Whether you love horror or hate it, this episode hopefully will help you think through this issue from a biblical perspective. Hey there, and welcome to Off Script. Today we're discussing the question, should Christians watch horror movies? We want to take a look at the whole phenomenon of horror, the genre, and the whole idea of fear for entertainment. But before we do that, I want to start by looking at how evil is portrayed in non-horror movies. So, for example, Shawshank Redemption. A lot of people have seen that movie, kind of an old classic now about a guy who escapes from prison. There's plenty of evil in that. Have you guys seen that movie? Yes, I have. Did you? Actually, probably not Rose. She's too pure. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I'm not, I'm not being sarcastic here. <laughs> Try to say that in a nice way. Anyhow, in the movie Shawshank Redemption, there's a ton of evil. In fact, the whole plot of the movie turns on this guy who is wrongfully convicted of murder and is serving a life term in this prison. And there's a lot of hardships and suffering that he goes through. But that's not the focus of the movie. The focus is how he dealt with his false conviction, how he made it through, how he was able to figure out a way to get on the good side of the guards and to develop mm. a community that could protect him and so on. And the Bible also, as we just discussed last week, portrays evil. There's actually this really grisly incident in the book of Judges where a guy's concubine gets raped outside of his house, and after she's dead, her master cuts her into pieces and sends the pieces all throughout Israel, body parts, in order to send out the call that some horrible tragedy has happened and to muster the troops to fight against this town. And so, you know, I mean, obviously that's a very grisly story, but when the Bible talks about evil, it's portrayed as evil, and it's you know, there might be scenes in the Bible that you could find scary, for example, in Revelation, when the world is ending, but it's not there for the purpose of scaring you. The fear serves the purpose of getting you to turn to God. Mm. So I feel like there's kind of a question of motivation, and, and I don't I don't think we want to be so simplistic as to say you shouldn't watch horror because it instills fear or because it has evil portrayed or that it has violence in it because we find that in the Bible and we find that in other movies that a good majority of, of Christians would say are 
fine to watch. So do you guys have any thoughts on this? I think you have to evaluate the intent of what you're watching. The intent of Shawshank Redemption isn't to glorify evil. You know, it's telling a story, a narrative about a guy in prison, wrongfully accused, and how he escaped prison. The difference between that and, say, a slasher flick is that a slasher flick is promoting evil in a way that is glorifying it, where the antagonist, for whatever reason, is hell-bent on murder and terror and hurting people you take the movie and you can you can most often find just reading the back of of it where it's going in that direction you know or you can read reviews or whatever and you know it's up to the individual to determine where that line is for them I would say looking at the front most of the time, you can yeah. tell whether they're glorifying, uh, you know, a real resolution and reaching justice or redemption or whatever, or if the intent um, is just horrifying you. I want to ask you a question. You just said glorifying evil. How would you define that? If you are watching it to see more of it, to experience more and more of it, if that is the objective, not um, necessarily as a component to, uh, you know, achieve storytelling, but that is the end all. Yeah, I would say you take a movie like the Saw series, for example. Um, I remember when I was much younger, and I've always hated horror movies. I don't know why, but I saw the first Saw movie. And the whole premise of that movie is how can we put people in situations that they die in the most horrible ways imaginable? How do we gross out, sicken the viewer more and more as the series progresses. It's, it's all a exercise in how to execute, you know, this evil that we're talking about in grander and grander ways. And I think that, you know, is glorifying violence where the objective is to show in more explicit ways, evil, bloodshed, gore, terror, anything that goes into making a horror film. There's a real question of focus there. The horror genre is going to focus on evil for evil's sake. And I was thinking about it. It's not just the suspense aspect of it because there are other suspenseful shows and movies that are not horror. With horror, terror is the goal. Mm. It's to get your heart pounding. It's to mutilate the body, not just to, to, for somebody to die, but for them to die in a grotesque way or for something to so violate your expectations that it makes you jump out of your seat. You know, that moment when the monster pops out of nowhere. Jump scares. Chains, yeah, <laughs> jump scares. You also put your hand on, or your finger on something very, that's kind of an innovation in the horror genre, which is putting people in these ethically impossible situations and forcing them to choose between wrong and wrong. Right, that's psychological as well as physical terror. Right. Interesting how they escape dealing with morality, though, by creating these situations where you have to choose one or the other. So you're kind of free from um, accountability to any moral decision you would normally mm. have to make in the real world. And the antagonist in these situations is so morally you know, depraved or bankrupt that any other behavior that's portrayed in the film itself, aside from what the antagonist is doing, is considered just what they had to do. Mm hmm. Considering a lot of the focus of the horror genre is to induce anxiety in people, I found a couple of verses on that subject. <laughs> really? So, <laughs> yeah. So one is from Proverbs twelve twenty five. It says, Anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down, 
but a good word makes him glad. I, I don't really want to have anxiety in my life. And not that I really struggle with anxiety. I mean, I've been through stressful situations in life. I mean, I went to college. I've dealt with other situations that have come up that were stressful or produce anxiety. But I've never said to myself, I, I, need, I need more anxiety. I need to get more, you know, and that seems to be what <laughs> happens when you watch these I movies. It's like, it just totally stresses you out. And, you know, it's really interesting because there's this whole sense in which you have relief when the movie's over. Mm. Because you're like, I made, or the haunted house, I made it through. <sighs> <laughs> and yet people still want to do it over and over again. So I'm not really sure what plays behind that. We'll probably get to that in a minute. But another scripture that comes up and relates to this subject worthy of consideration is Philippians 4, verse 6, which says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. The scripture is calling us to avoid anxiety, to seek peace, and to focus on virtuous subjects rather than evil. It's not saying only focus on these, but it's saying that these are the ones to, to focus on. In other words, it's not saying you can't ever consider bad or evil consequences or morals or something like that. I mean, obviously, you read the story of Lot's escape from Sodom mm -hmm. and the subsequent incident in the cave with his daughters. I mean, that's evil. So, you know, what am I supposed to censor the Bible for myself? No. But what it's saying is these should be your focus, the things that you're after. And... With a horror movie, what you're after is to be entertained by anxiety. I guess it depends on how you watch it. There are some people that genuinely enjoy the terror experience. Yes. I'm guessing, Dan, you're not one of those people, based on what you said before. I'm, I'm not, not one of those people either. And I'm not, so I'm probably not the best to talk about <laughs> this, because <laughs> right. I don't like them anyway. Right, right. But then there, there are people who say to themselves, this is what I've done in the past, this is just a movie. Right. You know, you're watching it and you're feeling uncomfortable and you're saying it's just a movie. The person's not really dead. It's really just an actor. It's not really their stomach that's cut open. It's really some sort of special effects or CGI or some makeup go on wild. And then it becomes... Well, let's see how they can be so creative in the next death scene. Mm. You're always up in the ante. Right? Because, yeah, there's always a progression and a climax, right? And I don't think that's healthy either. No. <laughs> so, I mean, either way you go, I think there are real issues here. The other scripture that came to mind for me was Ephesians 4.29, which talks about how we should watch our speech it says let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear and do not grieve the holy spirit of god by which you were sealed for the day of redemption and then it goes on let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice be kind to one another tender-hearted forgiving 
one another as God in Christ forgave you. Obviously, this passage was not written about movies or the horror genre, which didn't exist back then. But these principles, I think, are very much relevant because if God's Spirit is living within us, if it's abiding in us, there is a sense in which it can be quenched or grieved or disturbed by what we do. We're not to do that. We're not Mm. to disturb God's Spirit dwelling within us. And if we're ever going to be kind to one another and tenderhearted, especially that word tenderhearted, we can't be callous-hearted. In preparing for this podcast, just Googling around a little bit, there's a decent body of research out there, from what I can tell, about what horror movies do to your brain. And it's the same idea of, you know, you watch a... You know, you watch a drama and you look at what's going on on the screen and it makes you cry. It produces an emotion in you. The, the same thing is true of, of, of horror films. I came across this article on Yahoo and it's talking about uh, what's going on with your body when you watch a horror movie. And this doctor is quoted as saying, the brain is wired to treat what it sees as real. Glenn Sparks, professor of, and associate head of the Brian Lamb School of Communication at Purdue University. It's very difficult to tell the primitive brain to ignore the apparent reality of what it's seeing. And if the images appear to be real and terrifying, the brain tells the body to react accordingly. And I think that's what people enjoy about horror movies, because it's not like you're sitting down and watching like a cheesy action flick or a a Jane Austen drama or like those don't really have that physical, don't manifest that physical reaction in you. Mm -hmm. Uh, Horror movies, I mean, that's I think is the draw to them that they give you that sort of primal fight or flight sense. Mm-hmm. And as we were saying before, I think in the genre and in individuals desire to watch them, you o- you're always looking how to up the ante. And you can look at the history of cinema for this. I mean, Alfred Hitchcock had birds on a string that he flew around and that was incredibly frightening to people. You know, you go up through the decades and now you have like, I don't know how it could get more graphic, some of the some of the things that they depict, but you have, you know, obscenely graphic depictions of blood and gore and mutilation of of bodies and and, and whatnot. Yeah, it's definitely developed. It's interesting, too, because in our very safe, modern, developed world, so few of us will encounter this sort of thing in real life. I think because of the separation we have and and the safety we feel from that kind of thing, we feel free to kind of revel in this sort Mm -hmm. of thing because it is so far removed from us. Right, it's low stakes. Mm -hmm. That same article goes on to say that... um, in rare instances, watching horror movies can cause PTSD, but it's more common that they trigger a reaction in people who already suffer from the disorder. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you have a traumatic past, then a horror movie is much more likely to trigger that right. feeling than other kinds of movies, which makes perfect sense. But then the other fact to consider is that it will actually make new associations in your head. You mentioned that alfred hitchcock movie about birds there were people that watched that movie and then afterwards were terrified of birds whereas before that movie birds are just birds no big deal they fly around they eat worms they're kind of (laughs) cute and now after it they're this source of terror and and people after watching the shining are scared of footsteps or there's a, a woman who saw the silence of the lambs and was so terrified that she did not eat meat for six months. Or when The Exorcist, I mean, that was one of the most famous horror movies that ever came out. When that movie was released, people were, it so 
brought the genre to a new level of fear and terror that people actually had to be hospitalized due to such high levels of stress. They just weren't mm. prepared for that level of engagement and yeah. fear. So in addition to triggering past trauma, it creates new associations that then can hinder you in the future, just like a child who's afraid of the boogeyman in the closet and yeah. can't sleep at night. Now you're in your office as a mature adult and a bird flies by and you duck or whatever. I mean, maybe that's a stupid example. And I have a personal story about The Shining, actually. <laughs> Go on. So when I was a kid, you know, we've already talked about how Rose you were and I... So, you were so sheltered. Yeah. Well, I didn't have cable. Rose wasn't allowed to watch cable, so we were pretty sheltered. But I had this tape of cartoons that I would watch every day, like after school. And, you know, it had like Tom and Jerry and uh, other stuff Which, on Which, of it. course, was an incredibly violent cartoon. Yes, yes. Yeah. It's beyond the pale. At the end of this tape, this VHS tape that we talked about last time, <laughs> this relic, it kept playing. Oh, boy. Yeah. And the tape, you know, it went, it went fuzzy for a second. And then I guess somebody had taped over The Shining, which was originally on the tape. And, of course, it was the scene in the hallway with the, with the two little girls and the tricycle, like the most terrifying part of this uh, part of the movie. <laughs> And I haven't, to this day, seen that movie all the way through, even though like I'm told that I have to see it, because when I was a kid, it so scared me. Yeah. That when I even see like a poster of it, it's like, whoa, you know, like I hate that thing. Yeah. <laughs> that thing scares yeah. me. Did your parents ever find out that that was at the end of your, your I think, kid I think years later, I think years later, I told them. Yeah. There was a study done at Morgan Stanley Children's Hospital of New York Presbyterian and Columbia University Medical Center that concluded kids who watch horror movies from a young age are highly likely to develop anxiety, sleep disorders, and aggressive and self-endangering behaviors, mm. which is why I'm glad you came here today, Dan, because mm. this is actually an intervention. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. Okay. Obviously, there's a level here of what's going to cause those things and how much you can recover from. But I've always noticed there's something different about it. No, I'm yeah. <laughs> You must have been exposed to the shining as a kid. <laughs> but uh, I think that's really something to be concerned about as a parent. I'm a parent. I have young kids, and they're always interested in pressing the boundary. Wherever the boundary happens to be, they want to push it. And the boundary actually is expanding. Yeah. I read an article on Business Insider that said the horror possibilities with virtual reality which is you know just coming out to the ah, fore yeah. are off the charts i mean the amount of things you could do with a vr headset and yeah the i know that genre. makes the movie sound like nothing yeah exactly we're gonna we're gonna be looking back at movies like the songs thinking those are the good old days yeah <laughs> so innocent then in preparing for this, I was thinking about something that my alma mater, Liberty University, used to do, and still does, actually. They've done this for 20 years. They have a super scary haunted house. People wait in line for hours outside this thing to get in. It's like a mile long, long line. Yeah, and you Liberty get in, University is a Christian school. Super Christian, super conservative Christian. This haunted house is called Scaremare, and it is a destination in that part of Virginia. People come from all around, um, and they scare you like crazy. It's quite a while in this house and then when you do come out they have preaching tents and there are people there who are who are intending to take your fear and then use that sort of as as a catalyst uh, to bring you to the point of salvation you know if possible and their website says 26,000 salvations have happened as a result of Scaremare um, and you know Halloween is their big season of course uh, over the past 20 years 
So that's interesting. What do you guys think about that, of, of using fear, you know, as the world does, you know, it's a typical haunted house until you get outside? Well, right off the bat, I don't know that you can claim 26,000 souls have been saved because of this thing, because salvation is a living, breathing reality that, you know, you have to cultivate. It's not something, at least I believe that, you know, you say some magic words and you're, you're set for the rest of your life. That point aside, I don't know that preaching to people after... They've or, had the hell scared out of them? Yeah. <laughs> after they, well, when they're in a heightened emotional state or coming down from a heightened emotional state, I don't know that that's the best time to reach them where, you know, the seeds that you would sow are going to take root. I'll also say that the motive seems to be uh, good. And I don't know what sort of depictions that this horror show puts on. But it seems there's no blood. There's everything short of that. Okay. Is there a supernatural? No. Have you ever been to it? Oh yeah. Okay. Rose. Oh yeah. Rose. Confession <laughs> time. Shocking. A lot of oh everyone did. A so, lot of chainsaws. A lot of clowns. A lot of strobe lights and yeah. children. But no blood. No blood. Interesting. Oh, hold on. Those creepy clowns. They came from Liberty. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> my fellow. It's they're all my fellow news. students. You'd see people you knew inside there. <laughs> breaking news: the creepy clown epidemic sweeping the country. <laughs> Been doing Liberty it for University. years. Yeah, I don't know how I feel about that. Yeah. I would tend to come down on the side of there are other ways to reach people, and I don't think the people are coming to the haunted house to be saved. They're coming to the haunted house to be scared, and Liberty, at least in your telling, seems to be using it as a as a means of salvation, but. The motivation of people that are coming, I doubt, is people that want to be saved aren't, okay, well, I could go to my church or I could go, you know, talk to a family member who is a Christian and get saved, or I could go to this this haunted house and, and get saved, you know, mm-hmm. like it seems like you're already starting from a position of where your heart isn't in the right place. Mm-hmm. I want to push back a little, Dan, and just see what you think about this. Unsaved people are generally not looking to be saved they're Mm. either clueless or happy with their lives or somehow unaware of the spiritual situation so in one sense this liberty haunted house is a fairly brilliant co-opting of an evil tradition using it to turn people to god i think there's a question of subversion here are they advertising it as, you know, the greatest haunted house and then um, p- forcing people to hear about Jesus? Or is it like they leave the, ha- the haunted house and then there, there's an option, oh, you can go over here and talk to these people? Yeah, I mean, in other words, is it like the uh, Cracker Barrel experience where you have to go through the gift shop in order to leave? Yeah, you do. You oh. have to go through the tents. Okay. There is no way out of the house other than through there. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, I think that's... For my taste, that is too pushy. I get what you're saying. I think saying. if you make the tent optional, but I mean... You can walk right through it. You don't have to stay, but you do have to walk through it. Right. I think if you're using sin to try to get people to come to God, for me, that's obviously wrong because the ends don't justify the means. God cares about the means and he cares about the ends. However, this might be one of these like brilliant ways where... Christians are getting creative, thinking outside the box and saying, hey, let's meet the people where they're at and show them where these fears lead. They lead 
I mean, especially if you are an ECT person, eternal conscious torment. Like, if you really believe that way, which I'm sure Liberty does, yeah. like, you think people are going to be tortured in a fire for every day forever. I mean, that's worse than any Saw horror movie or whatever. So it's almost like consistent for them to use horror. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to push back on your pushback. I get, I get what you're saying, but... You know, have we considered the people that work in this haunted house who go to Liberty and what acting out the, these violent scenarios is doing to them? Are they are they enjoying it? Is it fun for them? I'm sure for some of them it probably oh, is. Oh, yeah, it's because, fun for all of them. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, you're you're using evil as a way to bring people to, to God ostensibly, but you're still enacting that evil and the people who are participating in that are still affected by it. And I also agree with the sort of coercion angle of bait and switch yeah like Mm -hmm. okay you have to go through this evangelism tent before you before you can leave it seems forced and not really something that i personally would condone yeah it it strikes us who inhabit the age of authenticity as a bit inauthentic (laughs) (laughs) anyhow this brings me to another subject that i think is worth rose what do you think about it yeah rose what do you Um, think um i i can't come out and say that it's wrong I I tend to question it. I had a professor that I was there who, while I was there, he was teaching theology and he was incredibly bothered by it. And he threw Philippians 8 at it. And he said, whatever is good, whatever is lovely, whatever is praiseworthy, think on these things. Um, I've never spoken to anyone who, it would be interesting to speak to someone who had a genuine conversion experience who actually came to Christ as a result of that. I You touched on this, Dan, where they kind of create this artificial fear, you know, by an artificial haunted house push people towards a decision. I wonder if that's lasting. I wonder if that's a profession or if that is a surrender. It would be interesting to talk to someone who was genuinely saved there to get their perspective. I haven't had that. So if you went through the Liberty Haunted House and you're hearing this right now, please get in touch. Yeah, We'd love seriously, to have you on the show. To hear. <laughs> yes, we'd so love tw- to talk to you. It says on the site, 26,000 people have made decisions for Christ over the past two decades. Ironically, this house of death points to the way of life. I can't quite come out and condemn it um, across the board because there's different way to reach different people. And that this could be a way to, for some cases, make fields white for harvest that were not white for harvest before. I had the option to be involved in it while I was there. I definitely didn't. It wasn't something that I was ever able to, or would have been able to confidently throw myself into without having reservations and doubts for myself personally about it. For the people who are able to do it and they do do it in a clear conscience, I, I would not quite go so far as judging, but I would go so far as to question. It reminds me of Nelson Searcy, a pastor in New York City who started a church down there called The Journey Church. And... In order to decide where to focus for evangelism, he asked himself the question, where are young people, he's interested in targeting young adults specifically, where are young adults hanging out, where, where can I reach them? And he came to two conclusions. One, they're outside of all the bars on weekend nights smoking. And two, they're listening to Howard Stern in the morning on the radio. And so two of his evangelism strategies were to print up matchbooks that had the church information on them <laughs> and distribute them to people basically smoking outside of bars. Be like, hey, here's some matches from my church. Hope to see you sometime. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how that conversation went. And then he bought out an ad on the Howard Stern show that just advertised his church. And the whole idea was you can't put a Christian ad on a Christian radio station and expect to reach non-Christians with it. Non-Christians are not listening to a Christian radio station. Mm -hmm. 
So that's kind of like how I'm approaching this haunted house. It's like you're you're meeting people where they're at, and it's more likely. Well, I don't know what the stats well, are. That's not really analogous because in your example if it were to correlate with this haunted house thing, it would be the same as this pastor going on Howard Stern's TV show, talking about like sex and everything that Howard Stern likes to talk about. And then at the end being like, and then Jesus saved yeah, me. Yeah. Yeah. So like, I don't know that it's, I agree with, totally with this pastor's no, I, yeah. approach. It's, it's, it's yeah. brilliant. So you um, see a difference between the two. Yes, I do. Okay. I mean, I think you can, I, like Rose said, making the fields white for harvest. You could totally see opportunities like that. And that's a brilliant thing that this guy did. But with the Liberty, it seems like it's using evil, you know, right. for good. And to me, there's always there's always a tension there. I would say it's not quite so far as that because they are not directly sinning. They are instilling fear in people. They're doing it in a not a graphic way. Um, obviously, there there is kind of the... Um, Seems like they're playing with it, though. Yeah, oh, they're definitely playing with it. But I don't think it's it's like someone going on and talking about sex. It's not. It's definitely not dabbling into it that deeply. Well, dear listener, you're going to have to settle this for us in the comments <laughs> at restitudio.org. <laughs> but as for us, we must press on. I, I want to raise this issue of secularism and spiritualism. As Christians, we have a strong view of spiritualism because the Bible has a strong view of spiritualism, including demons and Satan and the supernatural, especially the Bible talks about necromancy, talking to the dead, and condemns it very strongly. Whereas your standard non-religious person in America today loves that stuff. You know, they're going to love watching a vampire movie or werewolves or zombies or spirit possession well shows about mediums and stuff i mean they do really well on tv well that's exactly Mm -hmm. the same thing as necromancy is is somebody is talking to the dead Mm -hmm. they're being consistent because they believe all of it is false they believe all of it is imaginary it's all fiction and so why shouldn't they entertain themselves with it a secular person you know what i mean is that premise dependent on the notion that there is no devil yes yeah and so i think a secular person would say there is no devil there are no demons there are, there's no supernatural everything is just atoms and molecules and forces of nature and so why not enjoy this or that sci-fi or fantasy or horror genre that relates to this sort of realm Whereas those of us who are Christians who hold a biblical worldview are convinced that there are unclean spirits and there is a devil and there are supernatural principalities and powers and forces of darkness that are around in our world pulling strings Mm -hmm. here and there. And so I think that's a key difference. If, If I'm watching a movie and I see some sort of weird monster thing i i'm gonna clamp down mm-hmm. you know and I'm, I'm gonna turn it off or i'm gonna go do something else because i just don't want to play with it mm-hmm. yeah because like, i i know that I, and i'm not saying i think every hollywood movie there's actual spirits going on mm-hmm. but i but i do know but i believe that there is a real spiritual realm and i don't want to open myself to that mm-hmm. you see it what is, i'm saying yeah it is because we believe it does correspond to reality um, that we have to be careful, not just being a naturalist, but believing very much in the existence of the prince of the power of the air and other forces. We see connections to the real world in that, and because of that, we're guarded. 
Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, we believe in the Bible, and in the Bible it says the devil is a roaring lion roaming around seeking who we may devour. And watching a slasher flick isn't gonna isn't gonna like give you a demon problem necessarily, but is it going to open you up to other more spiritually wicked slasher films that might lead you to getting a tower reading that might lead you to you know seeking a medium to talk to your dead grandmother and then like then you're messing around with all sorts of like what i would regard as as dangerous things and yeah it comes down to what we talked about last time on off script where guarding your heart and looking at what you're consuming in the media realm and asking yourself what is it doing for me versus what is it doing to me mm-hmm. I would also say, um, just going to one part of horror, but it is a large part, uh, speaking to brutality. Um, the connection in my mind between brutality and what Christ went through on the cross is way too real for me. Wow. Um, any, you know, a lot of the slave movies um, can't even do it. Yeah. I need to keep it so fresh and Sensitive. raw and meaningful um, in my life that because of the cross, um, watching any gratuitous depiction of brutality totally turns me off because it corresponds to something that is real and fundamental in my life. That's a great point. Blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. So have you seen like, um, the passion? Yes. Barely made it through, but yeah, I did. Like right when it came out, people, Oh, what what, did you, did you like it? That's always the phrase they use. Oh, did yeah, you like yeah. it? Which like, is, uh, I don't know if I liked it, man. Yeah. Like, I hated it. Well, it's like you were talking about last but time. It was, with, it was well done. <laughs> with the Denzel yeah. movie. Um, yeah, that, yeah. It's same, the same idea mm-hmm. where you're watching this guy train wreck himself in slow motion. And not that that's what happened in The Passion. But I think there's a value there to movies that are uncomfortable to watch, but whose message is, is a good one. Mm-hmm. Agreed. You have to ask yourself, is the story worth telling? And then the way you're telling it. And the passion, it was worth telling. Let's talk about thriller movies. What do you think, Rose? Well, I love them. <laughs> uh, I don't watch any really crazy ones, but I think about well, give like... Give me an example. I'm not sure if this quite counts as thriller, but old like M. Night Shyamalan movies, things like that, that give you a really good feeling. The Village? Yes, I love The Village. So that's an interesting example. The Village, I wouldn't consider a horror movie. The Sixth Sense, I would consider a horror movie. Both are M. Night Shyamalan. What do you think? Why would you consider The Sixth Sense a horror movie? It is listed as a horror movie. Really? Yeah. Because it's one of the su- top grossing horror movies. Because mm. there's supernatural forces oh, yeah, going okay. on in The Sixth Sense, whereas, uh, spoiler alert, <laughs> <laughs> the, the village is not quite the same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know about that. I, I personally, I saw The Sixth Sense, and I did not, it did not strike me as a horror movie. No? It struck okay. me no, as me neither. just sort of morose and in the end, surprising. But I wasn't like, oh, I'm so scared the whole time. Yeah, The Sixth Sense freaked me out. I didn't like it. <laughs> like, it was, it was, it was. I think that is the freaky, of those three, I think that's the freakiest for me. I, too, enjoy a good thriller. I tend towards the, uh, the more sort of like, or I guess the less supernatural thrillers, you know, mm-hmm. government conspiracy movies, like yes. uh, Enemy, Enemy of the, the State. state. Yeah. <laughs> that was weird that we both had that same example. But yeah, movies like that were like, you know, running from the government, like that type of stuff. Most of it is 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 fine, but... And it comes back to what we were talking about, where you, you have to judge for yourself, and it's a personal thing with your relationship with God and what, he, what you want to let into your heart. Mm-hmm. I think what you said at the very beginning uh, is pretty key to that, and that is the intent of the movie, mm-hmm. whether it is to glorify um, the violence and the brutality or something evil, um, or if it is to tell a story and bring you to a resolution, if there's uh, 
clear definition um, of good and evil. Um, you can judge the intent of the film and then decide whether to watch it. All right, I think I finally got the the top grossing list. The first one is I Am Legend. <gasps> That's a horror movie? That's my favorite horror movie. I was scared of the dark forever afterwards. And we thought we were, she was so pure. Yeah, right? Oh, I love that I kept movie. myself pure from that movie, for, for your information. I did not. I saw it. <laughs> number two is The Exorcist, and number three is World War Z. And then it goes on from there. Well, Gremlins is number six. Wow. I saw that. It wasn't very Does that scary. mean the late 80s, early 90s? Yeah, that was back in the day. Early 80s. 84. Wow. So what are we saying? Let let us let's conclude. What are we saying? Same exact thing we said last week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. The mind is for God. Your emotions are for God. Um, that must be reserved for God. And if for a moment uh, it's being taken away by something else, and if you are seeking dark things, I think you have to be aware of that, and I think you have to be willing uh, to turn from that for your love of God. So if your friend asks you, Dan. Hey, I just became a Christian, and I'm trying to figure out how this affects my life. Should I watch horror movies? What would you say? I don't have a ton of experience watching horror movies, because I just don't like them, even if I wasn't a Christian. But what I will say is that I know video games affected me. And, you know, tell them about that. And I've talked about this a little bit on the podcast, but the bottom line is says in the bible you know you're taking things into your heart and that's what that's what comes out of your mouth and things that you consume you know are manifested in your life so if you're somebody that's into that you know into horror movies you know i would say search the scriptures i mean find out what the bible says i assume we're going on a baseline of this person is seeking and wants yeah. to wants to know it's the truth it's not a question so yeah i would say i would you know talk about some of the verses that we talked about tonight give them some of my experience from the from the video game world and then come back to you know the verse in psalms 101 where it talks about putting no evil things before your eyes and and the standard that's clearly set for us and where you want to fall on that on that continuum and that standard cool I think it's safest just to say no. And could there be exceptions? Probably. I agree you know, with that. I'm not, I'm not going to like try to establish some absolute law here. But right. I, if, there's, I, if there's 20 quarts of blood, you cannot, <laughs> right. you I, think, I think for myself, my default is just like, no. I think if you get into questions where it's like, hey, this is an action movie, and then somebody else characterizes it as a horror movie, I wouldn't stress about that. Yeah. Mm. And I, I think there's also a difference between a new Christian and somebody who is has been pursuing holiness for a long time. A newer Christian is much less sensitive, like Rose was saying, to a lot of the, the um, effects of the world, uh, just speaking from my own personal experience. And the, the, the less exposure you have to certain things, the more shocking it appears. I would encourage somebody, especially if they're just brand new to Christianity, be like, hey, just put the brakes on it. If you're not sure, just put the brakes on it. Fast from that activity. Just get it out of your system for a month or for a year and then come back to it on a case-by-case basis. Mm -hmm. But to an experienced Christian, I would say, look, you know, what, what's, your, what's your motivation here? Where's your heart? Are you seeking holiness? Are you seeking purity? And, you know, if there is this, like, dark desire within you to see carnage, like, that's something you got to deal with because that's wrong. <laughs> mm -hmm.
But if but if you're like, oh, this is going to be a really entertaining movie. It's got good versus evil, and yeah, there's this one nasty scene, but you know, and and you and you don't even you're you're not watching it to watch that scene, or maybe you skip that scene or whatever, you know. So I feel like there is there's definitely some wiggle room there. Uh, but before we end, do you want to say anything else? Yeah, we actually talked about this last week in fellowship, and I, I thought it was uh, was fitting for this. It's Ephesians 5, and I'll read verses 8 through 10. For at one time, Paul says to the Ephesian believers, you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true, and try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Uh, that's all I have. Uh, thanks for listening, guys. And as always, please rate us on iTunes and give us a review on restudio.org. And thanks for listening. We'll see you guys next time. Thanks so much for listening, guys. We hope you've been challenged and inspired by this. We love you. Au revoir. If you enjoyed what you heard here, why not give Restitutio a five-star rating in iTunes or Stitcher? Doing so will help others find this podcast and inspire them to love God, follow Christ, and seek truth wherever it leads. Thanks for listening, and check us out online at restitutio.org, where you can find an archive of all the podcasts, as well as a bunch of articles and links to other resources. And remember, the truth has nothing to fear.